The following program is brought to you in living color. I just don't understand what is wrong with you two. What is the joy that this stuff possibly brings you? It's just... It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's not fun. You two have demons you're trying to compensate for. Well, what about you? You're having a glass of wine. I'm not having a glass of wine. I'm having six. It's called a tasting, and it's classy. It's The Wine Crush, the show that's all about the grape. Now, here's the host of The Wine Crush, the woman selected best wine show host within earshot, Laura Lawson. You all know people like this. You may be people like this. Welcome to The Wine Crush. I'm Laura Lawson, your favorite Chardonnay sipping diva, and you are listening to the show that's all about the grape in all its glory, all the vine, all the time, everything you wanted to know about wine and were afraid to ask. That's what we are here for. We are your media resource for everything about our, well, you know, some of it are probably coming into their own thinking about getting plucked little grape. And of course, that's always an adventure, but we shall hide and watch, so to speak, Pretty full fat. They're getting in the right frame of mind. And Good. I like that. That's great news. Yes. No drought this year? No nothing to worry about there? There's always a drought in California. It's oh. just a matter of where we're looking at it. But right now we're passing through a peaceful summertime and things seem to be okay. Uh, and actually, this is just a little aside. This is just fascinating to me. We talk about technology in the wine business all the time, and I'll get to a little bit more of it today. But a number of wineries, actually numbering 50 to 100 of them, are using drones now in their vineyard. Oh, no. Now, what? how do they use a drone in a vineyard? Uh, they're looking at to check for leaf curl. They're looking for check for bugs. They're looking to check for infestations. They're using them to check for, you know, areas of the vines that might be dying. Um, you know, uh, we've they, uh, there are we've some, graduated to the modern technology of drones in the, in the vineyard. I, I see where it has relevance. I do. You know, we all like to think that uh, wine is about, oh, these wonderful hand-called, hand-crafted vineyards. But when you start getting in Central Valley, when you look in Lodi, I mean, you're talking about miles and miles and miles worth of vines. And ideally, you'd like to have a person that's walking it. And I'm sure the vineyard managers still are. But the drones can make it easy, know where to focus, know what they're looking at. So I, I think it's a nice addition. It'll be fun to get that. some recaps. I don't know about that. Um, it's kind of like Amazon. You know, they were going to use drones with Amazon delivering your packages and things like that. Then there's the commercial on there showing you how that would go. You know, it drops it, you know, 10 feet in front of you and breaks it. I just, I, drones make me nervous. I just don't get them. How not? I mean, I, mean, I, I don't really I get understand. I their function. I understand. They're wonderful for attaching a camera to and getting great aerial shots. I love them for that. I'm just nervous around them. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Can't tell you. What I mean, number one, you're never up to anything to begin with, so well, it's not I, like it's going to cause you problems. I, I'm still in the 20th century. But, I realize but, that. All right. Secondly, I know you. You have an iPhone. You have a smartphone, don't you? Yes, I do. I everything, use it very well. I use it all the time. I know you do. But anything that a drone can find out for you, they already know from using your smartphone. So it's not like you're having your privacy totally infiltrated more than you would with your phone. Mm. There was yeah. just, I, I know, I realize this is a wine show and we have a point, but there was just a court case that came out. And in the court case, it actually was an appeal and it was finalized. Uh, apparently, I believe this was in California, it was either California or Texas. And there was, um, well, a guy was home flying his drone and apparently the drone was over someone else's property and uh, a kid shot it down oh. at the instruction of I his father. I kind of wanted to do that, yeah. Yes. And so ultimately, the guy who was flying the drone where he wasn't supposed to be said, hey, if you'll just pay for my drone and the replacement for it, then we're all good. Yeah. And the more the guy thought about it, the matter he got, you shouldn't have been flying over my property. We're right. So it wound up going all the way up to uh, almost to the Supreme Court. Wow. And ultimately, uh, the guy was reprimanded for flying the drone where he wasn't supposed to be. And the people who shot it down That's were it. ordered to pay reparations. That's what makes me nervous. They're, they're always where they're not supposed to be. And there's no there's no control you have over whether one's watching you or not or getting ready to crash into your head or whatever. The president of the network is so intrigued by this discussion that he has ventured into the <laughs> studio right now. And we're going to get his opinion on drones in the vineyard. I promise you this is a wine show. I just don't like it when people drone on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Well, that's oh, what we're getting to. Okay. Uh, 
For all you lovely, wonderful Wine Crush listeners, we are joined by the one and only fabulous Mr. Doug Rice. He is up to something he's got ears on, and let's see what wonderful wisdom I, he has for I us I know today. You're, you're talking marketing. and uh, Absolutely. today For our listeners, today we are discussing marketing, about marketing and wine, and right. what it does, and what it makes you do to drink things, and how some great marketing successes have really influenced this year's buying patterns. I, I, I find that encouraging. I still think that they have not cracked blue collar America entirely yet. And I could be so wrong, but I still think among the circle of friends I travel with, there are guys that feel like I don't want to drink wine. I'm not one of those. I'm, I'm on the other side. Yes, we know you help support the yes, cause for I the do. rest of us. I do. I, I'm keeping people employed in vineyards all around, <laughs> uh, yeah. California and New Zealand, probably. I was but. about to say, New Zealand, you definitely have a, <laughs> yeah, a strong I'm quantum. sure there's some folks down under that appreciate my contributions. But I, I, I think that's still an area that that has a lot of upside for the wine marketers, but I don't know how, how well the penetration's gone there. All right, for our listeners, I swear that, it, unfortunately, none of us talk to each other around this building. So this isn't a plant. This isn't a set all the way around. Something I was going to get to later in the show is sales data has been released so far for the first half of 2016. And what they are looking at is the table wine sales for the United States for H1, the first half of the year. And what it is showing is that barefoot vineyards, barefoot wine. Is that walmart it's everywhere barefoot is actually owned by the gallo company barefoot's been with us since 1985 but barefoot has sold 665 million dollars worth of wine in the first half of the year Hmm. the one that's closest to it closest to it is sutter home at 359 million dollars well, you and, can buy barefoot everywhere, literally everywhere. It's in every C store that I go in. There's a little kiosk there where you can buy it. There is. But here's the kicker on this, and this is why the marketing piece of this is so interesting. Barefoot is truly the first grassroots marketing effort ever created and ever done by the wine industry. And it started in 85. And what they were doing is instead of going out and buying billboards, they aren't paying for ads, they aren't getting radio jingles, they went out and their actual terminology that literally Harvard Business School studies now is called worthy cause marketing. And what worthy cause marketing, they do with that is they found nonprofits, uh, barefoot focus, especially on environmentalism and civil rights nonprofits. And what they did is they gave wine away to the fundraisers. They poured it at festivals. They did not do anything that required them to spend money other than donating their time and donating the wine. Hmm. So wherever they found a nonprofit they liked, they would support them with the wine for all their benefits. And what they termed it as is they were doing social reasoning. They were giving people a social reason and a special reason to be buying the wine. And looking at it, they're like, okay, I have bought Barefoot. I'm giving something back to the community because Barefoot does. And how it's relevant to what you're saying about the marketing, it was the first non-gender, non-income bracket approach to any kind of selling wine. It did not matter whether it was Habitat for Humanity. It did not matter whether it was a men's civil rights group. It, it mattered not as far as demographics and if these people were could afford the wine, were drinking wine, were they wine drinkers. They took the whole concept of whether or not this bowling league that was doing something for uh, autism, they went ahead, gave them wine, and poured it. These people had never drunk wine before. I was but- getting ready to say in doing so, they probably got people to drink wine that had never had a glass of wine in their life. Because, exactly. Because the price was right. The price was right. But see, what happens, it's just like, you know, when you get a coupon or a buy one, get one free or any kind of motivation, you taste something that you wouldn't ordinarily drink. You wouldn't experience it. You wouldn't like it. Hell, uh, Doug, I remember when you didn't drink Sauvignon Blanc and all of a sudden right. you encountered something. Right. So by literally one getting wine into the mouths of these people who've never had it, and two, 
giving them a reason saying, hey, I'm giving back to my community by drinking this beverage. The marketing grassroots for that took off. But you're saying they did this with no, literally no money spent on traditional advertising. No money spent whatsoever on traditional advertising. I think now that it's been purchased by Gallo, you will see the occasional advertising, but Gallo even continues that mentality on it. In fact, um, part of what Barefoot did too is when they were promoting and they did do the festivals, Their attitude was get barefoot and have a great time. And so, one, with no actual advertising other than getting people socially involved, and two, telling them, hey, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You don't have to have a glass. You don't have to swirl. You don't have to have a cork. We don't care. They made it okay for everybody to drink wine and not be intimidated. Good plan. No, it it actually— Excellent plan. People made fun of them. People made fun of them at first, saying, yes, this will never work. This will never take off. You can't sell your wine by giving it away. They're not laughing now. No, they're not laughing now. $665 million in the first six months of this year. That's more than some wineries have done in their entire existence before they went out of business. And you said number two was how much? $359 billion. So that's half, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's half, literally. You could take the next five, add them up, and it still doesn't equal what Barefoot has done unquestionably unconditionally the greatest marketing the greatest wine brand that has happened in the new world it has supplanted everything else that has now where come does their wine it. come from well that's part of the appeal to it when you look at barefoot this is what's interesting to all of our wine snobs out there it does not have a vintage on it it does not have a region on it it does not have grapes on it it does not have anything that we tend to associate with what we need for wine. So you don't have a region. You don't have Appalachian. You don't have vintage. Huh. It's just in the bottle. They're breaking all the rules. They're breaking all the Before rules. Before you know it, they'll have drones in the vineyard. I think it would probably be safe to, with them owned by Gallo. Yeah. Gallo's probably one of the ones probably pioneering one the, ones. the drones. Yeah. Yeah. So. It really worries him, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's going to be a focus. We're going to have to mess with him about this for the rest of the show. Hey, we're going to take a quick break right here. In case you haven't guessed, we are discussing marketing today. And when we come back, I think Kent actually has something to contribute. And we're going to take a look at some interesting campaigns that have happened over the years. For pictures, videos, show recaps, and more, become a fan of Wine Crush Radio Group on Facebook. Do you owe back taxes to the IRS? Newsflash, the president has changed the tax laws. And now, you may be able to pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, the tax doctor can help you pay the IRS as little as possible allowed by law. There are new tax laws for business owners, the self-employed, even W-2 workers. If you have a back tax problem or a few years of unfilled returns, new help to save you money is now here. Call right now to see how the new tax tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-281-7048. 800-281-7048. That's 800-281-7048. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-542-6751. 1-800-542-6751. 1-800-542-6751. This is the news. This morning, we are saluting the 2.2 million women who have joined in the war effort. They now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. The prestigious Harvard Medical School is breaking ground today, opening its doors to new female applicants. 
Today, little girls all over the world look to the sky, where the first woman is now in space. Military stereotypes are challenged today with the trailblazing promotion of a U.S. female officer to four-star general. It was just announced that the vast majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? Uh, in the woods, just outside of town. Oh, not surprising. You've got your home. Bears have theirs. Yeah, but see, this wasn't just any bear. This bear was wearing jeans and a hat, as in a smoky bear. Jeans and a hat. That's definitely smoky. What exactly did he have to say? Well, we were about to head home, you know, after having a bonfire. Oh, I can guess where this is going. Right, right. See, Smokey told me the fire wasn't actually out. He said if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. That's true. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wildfires fires are caused by humans? That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Wow, no kidding? I'm a forest ranger. We never kid. Sorry. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference because 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. We continue with another exciting episode of The Wine Crush with Laura Lawson. Welcome back to The Crush. I'm Laura Lawson. Can all of you out there relate to that? Don't you love it when your boss comes into your office and totally hijacks your day? Came down to check up on you, make sure you're not messing around. I mean, it's one thing to come check up, but I mean, hijack your own damn show. Stay Uh, away from mine. Yeah, I started to say, you were going somewhere, and he changed the subject, and it just kind of ran off the road, and there we were. That's fine. That's usually my job. That is the wine (laughs) crush. That is what we do. All right, to get back on track, we're going to try and stay away from drones. We're going to try and stay away from the... You know what, though? Actually, let's not stay away from Doug's argument. I disagree with him. About? But here's the thing. Before he came and sat down... I would have said that, yes, there have been marketing for wine companies out there that have definitely hit the masses, that have definitely hit men, that had hit it all. But for Doug to come in and say that, it does lead to an interesting argument. I'm in the business. I'm in wine. I say, yes, we've hit all segments. He's a drinker. He definitely uh, is an icon for the NASCAR sports crowd. Right, and what his point was that you're not reaching the blue-collar market. Yeah, so... I hate this is going to come across and I don't go ahead and send the hate mail. If anyone's going to be an expert on the blue collar market, Doug's going to have a good handle on it. <laughs> so go ahead. Hate mail. Oh. Kent Bernhardt at winecrush.com. Well, Laura you Lawson say at that, winecrush.com. That we should point out there's nothing wrong with the blue collar market. No, there's not. You sound like a wine snob when you say that. I realize I do, but you have to understand I'm paid to be a wine snob. But my job as a wine snob is to You've gone way out of your way not to be a wine snob. That's my Drink what point. you like, not what you're told. Is that what you've said on every single show? I agree with that, but ultimately when it comes down to it, I am a wine snob because I recognize I'm a wine snob. I can break it down and hopefully turn people away from being me. Right. And it doesn't matter blue collar, not blue collar. It's just that if we really aren't hitting that market and Doug wouldn't know that we are or aren't, then perhaps it's time to reevaluate the marketing. Okay. I would have argued until he said that, that Barefoot had done that. Because of the whole grassroots, because of their social marketing. See, what you described is what they should do to reach all markets, and I believe they are. Uh, it, Quite it, obviously, with those numbers, they are. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. There's not anyone out there who has drunk wine at a social event or purchased a glass of wine that chances are has not had a glass of Barefoot at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind all that, though, to go ahead talk about it, to hold them up of an example of perfect marketing, which, again, is where I was going to culminate my show. Now we're going to do things okay, backwards. Really, I know. Um, that wine should be, never should be taken seriously. To follow your heart. Those are the two key principles behind Barefoot and their marketing. Right. Don't take it seriously. Follow your heart. What more could any of us ask for? I mean, we can say and preach it till we're blue in the face. Barefoot embraced it and lived it and look at where they are now. Hey, listen, for those of you who are interested in this, again, I told you um, 
Harvard B School actually preaches this. There is a book out. It is called The Barefoot Spirit. And whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a wine lover, whether you're just interested in the business, this is worth a read. It's written fairly simply. It's, you know, it, it is a story. You can tell it's a first-person story. But it's interested to see the concepts, the reactions, and the stories that they get. So I would recommend you checking it out if you people are into that kind of mm. thing. It is uh, for all cross-generations. It is also for all cross-individuals. You don't even have to be in the wine business to appreciate it. All right. So, Kent, I know one thing you have been doing, and you kind of are the one that set this show up, mm. is uh, you have been coming up with some ideas about wine marketing. It seems you I, have been going back through some old tapes I or just, old reels or something. I, I ran across home this. Home movies. Knowing no. you, it's your old home movies. Well, <laughs> I ran across uh, some old tape, and I think it was just cruising Facebook one morning. Somebody posted something. You know how it is. You're looking at something. It leads to something else. You find yourself watching or listening to something. This was an old broadcast, and believe it or not, it came from 1963. It is taken right off of the NBC radio network the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated, November 22nd, 1963. And I found it interesting because it's, it's contained within a newscast, and in the newscast was a network commercial for wine. Now, I'm going to give you a little, uh, I'll give you a little setup here. I want you to tell me, I'm, I'm giving you three choice, a multiple choice quiz. Oh, God. In marketing this wine, did they use the, the slogan, grape, graper, grapist, the most important part of your meal, or wine just like grandma used to make? Which one of those catchphrases do you think this commercial used to market wine to us? Huh. Grape, graper, grapist. Yeah, 63. The most important part of your meal, or just like grandma used to make? I'm going to go with the most important part of your meal. Most important part of your meal. All right. Let's just listen to 1963 marketing of wine. Enjoy those wonderful wines from Mogan David, Mogan David, Mogan David. Wonderful wines from Mogan David, Mogan David wines. The home sweet home wines you'll enjoy. Delicious as can be The wines like Grandma used to make Bring back treasured <laughs> memories Enjoy those wonderful wines From Mogan David, Mogan David wine We have to take a break here coming up in a few minutes But it's just, to me, that just that just blew my mind Wines like Grandma used to make Oh my, you have me absolutely speechless on that one all right, we're but going we to, did it. We, we, we marketed wine like that. All right, small break on the crush. When we return, we'll discuss that marketing a little bit, and we'll see what else we have up our sleeves today. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 800-989-0233. 800-989-0233. 800-989-0233. That's 800-989-0233. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I, I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, 
I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be. 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I paid more than the minimum each month, and soon enough, it was gone. So you're just giving up. Giving up on what? The life of luxury. Egyptian cotton, caviar Thursdays, designer everything. What are you talking about? Our plan. What happened to winning the lottery and mastering the art of the perfect mimosa? Hosting galas, wearing enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacationing in the French Riviera, and then buying it. I just thought maybe it was time to prepare for my future. You know, set some financial goals, make some smart investments, open a 401k. Financial goals? Investments? A 401k? You are horrifying right now. Listen, if winning the lottery were easy, everyone would do it. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council on the next episode of Recipes for Disaster. So we've got our neighbor Paul coming over tonight for a barbecue, which is why I prepared a delicious lemon rosemary steak marinade from my special collection of old family recipes. To make sure the steaks are extra, extra, extra tender, I left them marinating out on the counter overnight, just like Nana used to. Maria may mean well, but without food safety, it never ends well. Always thaw or marinate foods in the refrigerator at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below. Or you could make your friends and family really sick. Maria's neighbor Paul didn't think twice about the steak he ate until he was presenting his company's financial forecast to the board. That's when a sudden bout of food poisoning made it explicitly clear that profits weren't the only thing on the rise. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov. You'll learn the right steps as Maria does everything wrong. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Now it's back with more of The Wine Crush with Laura Lawson. Welcome back to The Crush. I'm Laura Lawson. Kent certainly dug something out of his old attic Boy, with that, that was a jingle. nugget, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was. And what's interesting is you said it's 1963. You think about the times. All right, Mogan David did do some still wines, but, of course, Mogan David is most known for its um, fortified entries into the market. They did. And you know, I went back and checked their website. They don't have a huge variety at all. Are they, are they still a major player? They're, they actually do still sell. Still, still, that, that, easy that, for that, me to well, sell. No. They do still. Still sell a lot of wine, but it uh-huh. is Mogan David, and some of my friends out there will frown on me. But, I mean, most people know it as Mad Dog 2020, MD 2020. Uh, yeah. That's what people are comfortable with. And what's interesting, for that to be out in 63, about the same time frame, around 68, 67, you had Thunderbirds jingles out there, too. What's the word? Thunderbird. What's the price? Three bits twice. <laughs> so you've got the Thunderbird ad going out there trying to be catchy. And I have to be honest, when you played that jingle, I don't know why I felt like I was part of a Burl Ives Christmas yeah, story. Feels like that. Well, so, every, see, everything was marketed that way back then. And that's why I'm not surprised to find out that the phrase they used, the, the hook phrase and all that, wines like grandma used to make. Did your grandma make any wines? Oh, good Lord, no. That's yeah. what, yeah, that, that's an interesting catch. It makes me wonder. I know you said it was aired on NBC News, you know, where it was aired. You know, my guess is it would be in the Northeast, you know, up around New York, up around New Jersey, wherever, wherever you had large Italian communities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or something along those lines, because that commercial never would have flown in the South. Well, no, and it didn't. As a matter of fact, when I got into radio in the 70s, we still had uh, bans on some types of alcohol advertising. I won't say federal bans. They weren't large bands, but in our own station, we found that we got further with people uh, sponsoring things if we didn't allow alcohol on the broadcast. Well, that's why I'm saying it had to be the Northeast. You look at the reaches of the Bible Belt. Uh, Honestly, right now, for our listeners who live on the West Coast and up North, there are some states and some counties where you still cannot have outdoor alcohol advertising. It is absolutely taboo. It's not allowed. You cannot advertise spirits, wine, beer, anything. 
So, all right. So it's interesting to have the contrast in marketing, whether it's the Thunderbird wording in the jingle, whether it's the Burl Ives-like song with Mogan David, or the grassroots marketing of Barefoot. There's so many different avenues, and all of them worked for their time. And that's what this is all about. It is all about for the time. And it didn't matter, and I think, Kent, your example on this was perfect. It did not matter on that jingle whether you were blue-collar, whether you were ultra-rich, whether you were wealthy. It was to have a mass market appeal. Mm -hmm. Same thing that Barefoot has done. So if you actually try and derive something out of all these concepts, then anything that's going to have mass market appeal, anything that's going to not be directed to a particular segment of the market is your best bet. And I bring this up because people are obsessed these days by millennials. They're obsessed by what they're drinking, when they're drinking, how they're drinking, and they seem to forget the whole thing is it, it, you, you can't shadow box, you can't put someone in a corner as a whole generation. You have to make sure you're appealing to all aspects. And I think that Barefoot has proven that successful, and I think we're going to find a lot of the other wine companies are going to be doing the same thing um, because they're going to have to. We're seeing an interesting transition right now. We have discussed on The Crush the fact that there are certain things as brick-and-mortar wineries, and then there's brands. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be brands. There's going to be wine brands, a dime a dozen, people creating something with a great label, something very, very catchy, that doesn't necessarily have a set acreage and a set plot like a Donna Estates that's saying this is where it's going to come from year after year. Brands are becoming more and more plentiful. Either they contract with a winery to take access to some of their juice, or they contact with a grower and say, hey, I'll take these grapes, or they even buy wine on the open market, which you can do. By the way, Napa Valley Cabernet is selling for $55 a gallon today, whereas uh, Red Blends are selling for $10 a gallon today. You could go and buy them. Today. Today. Mm -hmm. I looked up the numbers before I came here. So brands are commonplace. And they're also very, very big business. All right, so we discussed the marketing behind Barefoot. This is one that's in the news that we just have to discuss all the way around. Constellation, one of the big wine companies out there, huge wine companies, recently has made two astounding purchases. Uh, The first was buying the brand Mayomi. And by buying Mayomi, they paid $315 million for this Pinot Noir you know, that, that pretty much had started out as part of Copper Cane, started out part of Belle Gloss, became a brand unto itself. And it's a Pinot Noir that everybody out there, it's like Barefoot, everyone out there has, has tasted. But ultimately, it has no home. It is strictly a brand. When they paid $315 million, that was no vineyards, no building, no anything, just a brand. And, of course, Miami continues to be successful. I should have looked further down in that list of top sellers. I feel fairly confident that Miami was in there. Mm. Well, that must have done pretty well for them because Constellation turned back around and bought another brand. They paid $285 million for The Prisoner. And, again, The Prisoner, same situation. No land, no buildings, no anything else, just a label. Now, that wow. tells me that there is something behind the marketing concept. If I'm going to buy something, if I'm going to go out and it's either going to have that catchy label, The Prisoner. Um, for those of you, uh, trust me, you have seen The Prisoner out there. Uh, it's a man in bondage, blindfolded, you know, ha- has him on the label. I've seen that, yeah. Yes, and Mayomi, of course, is very, very clear cut. I mean, you're going to invest this kind of money. You, of course, are going to pay for your marketing. It'll be interesting to see what take now that Constellation has it, whether we're going to go with billboards, whether we're going to go with social media, what we're going to do to advance this brand. Because ultimately, there's nothing to fall back on. Meaning, say for some reason, don't see it happening anytime soon, that the whole brand, Mayomi, just starts to slowly hit its sales cycle. They've hit the peak. They start sliding down. It's not like you can take the vineyards and take the building and say, let me go create something else. You don't have that baseline to do it. When the brand Naomi starts declining, it's it. There's no place to fall back on. Same thing for the prisoner. So, of course, you're going to need to invest in marketing. You're going to have to be multi-generational. You're going to have to cross all kind of divides, whether you make $70,000 a year, make you, whether you make $7 an hour. You're going to have to appeal to everybody. Let me ask you about brand, though. How many times do you go into a restaurant and order brand? Do you order a brand or do you order a, a type of wine? I'd like a glass of Chardonnay. What Chardonnay do you have? 
You're not. Are you into a brand? I'm into a lot of brands. Yeah, but see, by nature, that's what that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Let me use this as a great example. Um, all of us have the marketing coup. Um, Kent, when you cut your hand, what do you put on it? Uh, day, but it's uh, that's actually the brand. I know. Everyone yeah. calls it a Band-Aid. I, I don't know what else you would call it. Maybe there's some far-flung corner of that? recesses. It's adhesive a strip or yes. something, yeah. Whatever. All right, the whole point is you, you always ask over Band-Aid. Uh, in the South, if you want uh, a, a drink that's fizzy, you ask for a Coke. Yeah. If I have a cold, I, I grab a Kleenex. Exactly. So yeah. when you look at things like that, you're asking for something specific, but you're not necessarily asking for a brand. Um People who are getting into wine, people who are not necessarily educated in wine that really care whether it's Chardonnay, Cabernet, Merlot, Riesling, anything else, they are learning the brands first. And again, this comes through marketing. This comes through people getting something drilled in their head. This is the perfect example of this. This had to be about 10 years ago. I was working a festival downtown in a city, and I had agreed to fill in and work in the Kendall Jackson tent. I said, yes, hey, listen, I've got some extra time. I'll come out. I'll, I'll work, KJ. It'll be fine. So I'm sitting up. I have the Kendall Jackson wines in front of me. I have Chardonnay, Riesling, Merlot, Cabernet, Zinfandel. I think it was five. Maybe Sauvignon Blanc was out then. I don't remember. So six wines. And then it was about three or four, and a nice group of ladies came up, and they said, oh, well, we'd like the, uh, I'd like Kendall Jackson. Yes, ma'am, absolutely. What kind of Kendall Jackson would you like? I said I'd like Kendall Jackson. And I'm, I'm still gracious at this point. I said, yes, ma'am, would you like to try the Chardonnay, the Riesling, the Merlot? I don't know what you're not understanding. I want Kendall Jackson. <laughs> so they so, didn't get varietals, they got brands. No, and I think that's what you found 10 years ago, and you may find it today. People don't necessarily understand what a Riesling or a Chardonnay is, but they damn well know what the Barefoot brand is. They know what the Kendall Jackson brand is. They know what the Sutter Home brand. They definitely know what Barefoot brand is, just like you know what a Band-Aid is and a Kleenex is. Okay. So when you look at it from that category, there is so much room for these brands to grow. You know, yes, we can teach varietal. We can teach composition. We can teach alcohol content to we're blue in the face. But ultimately, despite what some business leaders say marketing can have the most influence over what people are putting in their refrigerator and pouring down their throats hey we're going to take a quick break on the crush when we return we will kind of wander off a little bit on this marketing path and see what other interesting things are out there enjoy those wonderful wines from mogan david mogan david mogan david follow host laura lawson on twitter at wine crush radio This is The Wine Crush. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5735. That's 1-800-829-5735. Again, 1-800-829-5735. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we could promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Call On Call Pharmacy right now and save as much as $700. 800-884-7919. On Call Pharmacy delivers the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow 
yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Call On Call Pharmacy now and take advantage of this special offer. 800-884-7919. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. 800-884-7919. 800-884-7919. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and the Ad Council. We're back with more Wine Crush with Laura Lawson. Welcome back to The Crush. I'm Laura Lawson. Okay, we were wandering down the marketing track today, and I think we've had a little bit of fun with it. Definitely had some interesting perspectives put on it. But as much as I can sit here and preach about broad market, broad spectrum marketing, there are some, yet again, my favorite type of studies out. Oh, no. You know more what, studies. Yes, okay. more studies. And this one actually ties in to the concept of marketing. I love it when people waste their money on this. All right, this is coming from IWSR. All right, we, we, we have done a study. Are you ready? Here we go. As income rises, so does the likelihood that a fluent American drinks wine once per week. Okay. As you have more money, you're more likely to drink wine. All right. Come on, we had to have a study to do this? I, I, I started to say it's... Right along right. Doug's lines there. Yep. Slightly more than half, 53% of the respondents earning less than $200,000 drink wine weekly or more frequently. An incident that rises to two-thirds of those earning 500000 or more in annual income. Hmm. So we bothered to find a group of people that made $200,000 and $500,000 a year to study them. And we learned that the people who are taking home a cool half million a year are more likely to drink wine. How about that? Yes, fascinating. Wow. Here's the thought. Those of you making $500,000 a year have the disposable income to drink whatever you want to. So it, it just, it, those making $200,000 have the income. Yeah. So my guess is the kid making $20,000 a year can't necessarily afford to be drinking wine every night. Those that are making a half million, they can drink whatever well, they want absolutely. to when they want to. Absolutely, yeah. All right. I've well, been so surprised since I heard a study that uh, soup has wonderful health benefits. Yeah. You know who did it? <laughs> The Campbell's, Campbell's company. Campbell's people. <laughs> That's right. All right. There, there is an interesting piece of this, though. All right. And this is what's interesting, and it, it, it goes into the marketing piece. All right. Seven out of eight affluent U.S. consumers report purchasing wine in restaurants, and 28% do so at least once per week. Okay, fine. You're buying wine in restaurants. Well, they took it a step further, and this, to me, is my favorite part. Wealthy wine drinkers evaluated 21 premium domestic wine brands on the degree to which each embodies the four pillars of brand. Superior quality, exclusivity, enhanced social status, and overall superior consumption experience. <laughs> that just... Okay. All right. So so here we are knowing that Barefoot's selling $659 million and a half a year, but we still have... The segment of our society that is reviewing wine based on superior quality, exclusivity, enhanced social status, and overall superior consumption experience. Hmm. All right, that, that, that falls into the wine snob category. There's yeah. your one percenters. I get it. And here's the thing. As I looked over this list, I thought, well, I'm guilty because you've just listed most of my favorite wines. Oh. So 
as much as I am making fun of this concept, I certainly don't make $200,000 a year, but you have gone through and listed brands that I am fond of, that I, as a self-acclaimed wine snob, have gone ahead and can relate to. All right, I'm going to run them down real quick. Uh, right. You know, Again, this is no advocating. This is actually out of the study. BV, Camus, Decoy, Ferrari Carano, Franciscan, J-Lor, Justin, Kendall Jackson, Grand Reserve, Kim Crawford, La Crema, Mayomi, there's our Mayomi, Mount Veter, Robert Mondavi, Ron Bauer, Rafino, Simi, Sonoma Catrier, and Wild Horse. Huh. Now, what fascinates me is we're talking about the people who are making the $500,000 a year. None of these wines are sitting over $100 a bottle. In fact, when you look down through this, there's really all of them are, are hitting in about $50, $50 a bottle. In fact, mm. some of them, you look at Mayomi, La Crema, Kim Crawford, Jay Lord, Justin, I mean, you're all looking at $25, $30 a bottle. Really? So in the grand scheme of things with these wealthy Americans, what we've done, we've identified brands. These are not the, the most expensive brands on the planet. These are not actually the hardest ones to find. In fact, just about any Megamart is going to have every single one of these listed. They are all top sellers. So it kind of drives my point home in that, yes, marketing is key. It can be grassroots marketing. It can be jingles. But when it comes down to it, people pay attention and buy the brands. Now, whether they are buying the brands because they are comfortable with them, whether they're buying the brands because it was a social act activated as far as doing something healthy for the community, whether it's because they feel like they are drinking what they're supposed to drink, or whether it's just because it's what they've learned with wine, brand matters. And I think that's a testament to, to Barefoot on what they've done. And Constellation in the purchasing of you know, the prisoner in Mayomi. You buy the brand, people respect the brand. They don't necessarily know what's in the bottle, but that doesn't matter because the brand equates to quality. So perhaps you should look back at the idea of brand value, superior quality, exclusivity, enhanced social status, and overall superior consumption. Because ultimately, you take those four, you can pretty much turn an argument into any brand out there that you would like. We're going to take a break right here. When we return, we will wrap up today's show and take a look at the weeks ahead. Need a wine recommendation for a party? Want Laura to address something on the show? Email her at lauralawson at winecrush.com. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 800-915-9734. 800-915-9734. That's 800-915-9734. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies offering to help taxpayers only if they owe over $10,000. Here at Platinum Tax Defenders, we're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and we're proud to be one of the only tax firms in the country who understands that people who owe less than $10,000 need help just as badly. The IRS doesn't care how much money you owe. They'll still garnish your wages and even seize your assets. So whether you owe just a few thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands, call now for your free tax consultation. If you qualify, we may even be able to reduce your tax debt down to a small fraction of what you owe. So don't wait until the IRS seizes your property and garnishes your wages. Call 800-856-1330 and get your tax problem resolved once and for all. That number again is 800-856-1330. 800-856-1330. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? But in order to know what I wanted to be, 
I had to first decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more. So I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore. And frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy. And giving up, impossible. I make an old subject feel like a fresh thought. And unconventional methods, common. I make material things less important. And little things, like patience and kindness, count. I make weekdays more exciting than weekends, and classrooms feel like anything but. I make things different, which is all I ever hoped for. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Welcome back for more of The Wine Crush with Laura Lawson. Welcome back to The Crush. I'm Laura Lawson. Today we have taken a rather scatterplot view of marketing. We have heard from all parties, and I will have to say it's been an intriguing and entertaining show. But I think if nothing else, the culmination we have come to is the fact that marketing is relevant, marketing is engaging, and marketing is necessary to build a brand. But if we step away from the brands of wine, let's just talk about marketing as wine as a whole, because this has to be one of the best marketings for rosé I have seen this summer. Now, rosé wine is the hip thing. It is the hot thing. People are all about rosés, whether it's from Brad Pitt, whether it's from Cute Little Bottles, whether it is from The Whispering Angels, whether it's about Charles and Charles, it does not matter. Everybody has their own rosé. Now, we have restaurants that have decided that it doesn't matter what the brand is. It's about how it's served. The hottest thing going this summer is Froze. Are you ready for that? F apostrophe R-O-S-E. Froze. Froze. And what this is, it basically is a rosé slushy. Doesn't matter the brand, <laughs> like anything else. And actually, I have seen pictures. I would kill for one right now. Yeah. For those of you out there who don't care about brand, you just want something cool, check this out. We'll try and put the uh, actual recipe on our website. Uh, but basically, you need three ounces of cit- citrus slushy mix, three ounces of your choice rosé wine, an ounce of peach puree, half an ounce of grapefruit juice, a tablespoon of something for color, and one and a half cups of ice. Throw it all in your blender, beat the hell out of it, whip it up, and all of a sudden, you have your own rosé slushy. And I just can't imagine anything that, that would be, be more refreshing yeah. than that. Some people might want to add a little bit of sugar to it. Some people might want to add a little bit of syrup. But uh, I would say that certainly beats making ice cream on the porch for us older folk. All right, as always on The Crush, reminding you to sip socially, to drink responsibly, to drink what you like, not what you're told, but most importantly, in vino veritas, in wine, there is truth. I'm Laura Lawson, and I'll talk with you next week. (music) 